Ladies and gentlemen, let's get hyped for another episode of the Great White Buffalo Podcast. I cannot tell you enough how special this episode is. This episode, I have one of my best buds. His name is Matthew. And Matthew is the opera general manager of Montaluce Winery. And winery is a huge industry here in North Georgia. And we have like the top, you know, the top tier, the top dog winery. And he's the top dog at the winery. And so he talks about just just his struggle, um, how he started out and how he was in life and where he was going in life. And then how he got to a lower level position at Montaluce and worked his way up to the general manager of the, of the whole winery. And it's a story of perseverance. It's a story that inspires. I just, I love this guy, and I love his insight on life, and then how he works with people, and how he he brings people into the the idea of of how to elevate their life and elevate the experience at Montaluce, but also like how you can incorporate that into your outside of work. It's really interesting, it's really engaging, and it's really introspective, and I love this episode, and I'm so blessed to have Matthew on the episode. But before we get there, oh, I just want to apologize, we missed last week, I've been doing a bunch of conferences, and I just kind of blanked on releasing an episode last week, so I appreciate y'all, but also the last like four or five episodes, we've gotten like huge numbers, and so I just want to say thank you to the listeners, thank you for spreading the word telling people about the podcast we've got new followers uh people with merchandise with hats and t-shirts have like sent me pics and i've been trying to put that on the story i love the fan interaction we i i just this is a, a dream project this is a you know a hobby of mine i just i made up my guest bedroom into a podcast room i i put my own money into getting the mics and the the mixer and the headphones uh producer matt helped me you know kind of create this stuff and so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the nation and part of the herd. I could not do this without you. I love y'all. I really do. Um, and so I just wanted to say that just from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy the next couple episodes. We have another episode with Sarah, Kate, and Alex and uh, Emily coming out pretty soon. I got one with my buddy Caleb and Will. Uh, we have a bunch of episodes coming up in the future. If you have some guests that you would like for me to get, just DM me. Just DM me on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, give us a shout-out, if you would, please. We're trying to get a followers. My goal for 2020 is to get to 1,000 followers. We're at, like, I don't know, like 320-something. So, you know, we're getting there. We're climbing. Uh, just love the support. Love everything y'all do for us. And I just, I don't know, I'm just really appreciative. I don't know. I just feel like this is just on my heart to say that. Like, thank y'all for listening. I hope you subscribe. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating if you can, and write us a review. It takes literally less than a minute. We love you. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and just thank you for being part of the GW Nation. Wandering through the great plains of life, things move fast, sometimes a blur. Don't you let this bumpy road separate you from the herd. When you think the day is done, the sun is getting low. We're all looking for something rare, the Great White Buffalo, the Great White Buffalo Podcast with Ben Mayfield. Moist. <laughs> oh, gosh. What up, GW Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Great White Buffalo Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm genuinely excited. I'm pumped, thrilled, spectacular, and I want to apologize because I want to apologize to our guests because on Tuesday... 
I get this phone call, and it's from my buddy Matthew, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, he's calling me. And then Billy, I was at Billy's house, and Billy's like, yeah, I gave him your number, you should talk to him. I was like, all right, well, I'm having dinner with y'all. I want to be respectful, I'll call him after dinner, you know, be, be in, in, you know, intentional. And then I see a text, and it goes, hey, man, where are you? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm at dinner, where are you? <laughs> and you go, I'm at your house. And I totally blanked that we we're supposed to do a podcast, but you so graciously uh, agreed and accepted my apology and came back today, Thursday, to be on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Matthew Gardner. What's up, Matthew? Hey, man. Uh, I'm proud to be here. Oh, gosh. Have you ever been on a podcast before? I've never been on a podcast before. This is my, this is my first one. Wow. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so honored and privileged to be in your capable hands. Well, man, I hope to... We don't. I think this may be our first legitimate like business person that we've ever had on the podcast because we usually have you know people who work in the public service industry, like either they work for school teachers or they work for churches or they work. Uh, we have some people who work for UGA. We've had a lot. Of, we had preachers, so we have a lot of different fields. But as unique as yours is. I don't know. I don't want to mess up your title. Are you the the emperor of Montaluce? Is that I, how? It's? I am the general manager at Montaluce. The, the general manager. Okay, the emperor sounds pretty sick though. So before we get there though, Montaluce. There's a lot of other wineries that we shall not name. They're like Voldemort. We will not name names. But it's a huge industry in North Georgia. Yep. It's like tourism. We have people from Atlanta. People from all over. One of the people that were on the podcast, you know, uh, shout out to Jordan yes. and Kaylee. Um, Kaylee flew from California on vacation and just went to a winery because she knew that they were like popular. So, but before you get to one of the top tier wineries, what's your like? Did you want to grow up to be a general manager of a winery? Like, what is, what is your background? What is your feel? How do you get into something so as unique as that? So, my like like life. It was a it was sort of a twisty road. Okay. Um, when and I'll go. I'm gonna go ahead and go all the way back. Right. I was sharing this with Ivy earlier today. Shout out to Ivy. Hey Ivy. Um, when I was when I was 15, I was I was looking at the difference between how they teach us to treat each other and how the world and how the people in the world are treating each other especially our leaders. And I was trying to true that up and figure out what the discrepancy was. And somehow in my 15-year-old brain, and I still don't know how I got there, was it takes a village to raise a child. Like the things that move me, move us, are when we honor children, when we honor older people, when we value the things that are easy to not value because it's not apparent, because it's not the strong or the powerful or the, or the great or the things that that tend to get put forward, right? Right. <clears throat> and so from It Takes a Village to Raise a Child in my head, somehow I got to sustainable community. I am. I was 15 then. I'm 44 now. So that's only like five years or so. Yeah, it's just a few <laughs> years. I'm still trying to figure out what sustainable community means, but it's been like this. So you're saying at the age of 15, right. you want a sustainable community. Right. Dude, right. I don't think there's much a lot of 15-year-olds out there going, you know what I need in my life? A sustainable community. I'm still trying to figure out what that means. So I, uh, I went about misspending my youth. 
making lots mm-hmm. of huge mistakes. Worked in, well, I worked in bars and lots of other jobs and wound up in landscaping. Um, and then fast forward to I'm about 30 years old and I didn't, I had done landscaping. I owned a business, failed at it miserably. Um, was working for somebody else and trying to figure out what's next. So I, I set an intention. I put out a prayer. I said, you know, show me what's next. And I get a phone call um, from, uh, from some family friends. They said, hey, do you want to be a vineyard manager? I said, tell me more. They said, we're starting this, we're starting this neighborhood, um, and we need somebody who can, we can need somebody who will be our vineyard manager. Do you want to do that? And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about grapes. They said, that's okay, we got consultants. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, well, I've got a front row seat to how to build a community. Now, it wasn't exactly like, in my mind, in my, at the time, it, it would seem like a playground for rich people, mm-hmm. which was not exactly my idea of sustainable community. But it was a community that was going to be built around agriculture. It's definitely closer than where I was. And when else am I going to get an opportunity like this? So I said, yes, absolutely. So I joined Monteliche in 2006 as the vineyard manager. Uh, I got to... I got to see the thing built from the ground up. Got to plant a vineyard. Right. Me and like 20 guys. Amazing. Like, so no matter what happens, right, for the rest of my life, I got to plant a vineyard. Well, because I remember like 2007 or 8. I feel like 2008 is when the houses maybe started being more open for like sale or something. That's right. Because I was in high school and I remember it being like a big deal of like, oh, like, you know, that's where the high-end people are going to go. Cause that's that's right. like on a winery. It's these big old beautiful houses. And they're built to look like a, they're like from Italy or something. Tuscany, yeah. Or Tuscany. Yeah. So like I remember that being a big deal in the community. Right. Um, yeah. It was, you know, it was heady times. 2007, people were buying on spec. Real estate was the safe place to park your money. Mm. So the whole thing was designed as as sort of a, a lifestyle community built around food and wine instead of like, so lifestyle 1.0 is uh, post-World War II, right? They take the military efficiency and they start building neighborhoods with it, right? So you get subdivisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 1.2 was the golf course community, right? So, <laughs> you so know, tr- you, so true. <laughs> you put in, you put in the, you, it's so, so it's a community built around a lifestyle, right? And then, uh, and then we come along and we're like, well, you can build it around, around food and wine, right? It was they called it La Vida Bella, um, <laughs> and there, yes, 270 homes. It was it's going to be this great, beautiful thing, and then, and then you know, and then the market fell apart. 2009, yeah, it just plummeted. The wheels fell off, and so. 2009, I felt like, you know, 2000, that's three years, mm-hmm. and you were trucking forward, you're, you're killing it, like you had this vision, yep. you're bu- going to build these homes, and then, in, just like a lot of people in the country, and if you're, you know, like me, you were in high school during the, the crash, a lot of people were affected. Sure. Like, a lot of people were affected with their businesses, and their homes, and their income. How was Montaluce? How did y'all not just crumble to the ground? So, we... The winery and the restaurant were, you know, in the original uh, concept, they were they were the amenity, right? It was the clubhouse and and the the owners' club and and if you bought a home, you had your you know your name at the end of a, on an end post, um, and uh, 
And then what was the amenity fast became the only thing that was going to generate <laughs> revenue. So, um, so we focused on we focused on the restaurant. We focused on making those things, making making the opening it up to the public, opening more hours, got into weddings, um, mm. and so uh, what was an amenity fast became the motor. Was that was some of that kind of like your like being a, a survivor, being a person who owned a business and failed at one point going, okay, how can we not <clears throat> fail at this? Like weddings is a huge market. Let's tap into that. I would love to tell you that that was my idea, but it was not. It was the guys that owned the place at the time. I'm still just the vineyard manager. I was, so I was the vineyard manager. Uh, then I was the site supervisor. So I got to see the roads go in and help with the water and sewer and all of that stuff. And, um, and I would love to tell you that I was. So in you worked your way up to general manager. That's right. Yeah. No, oh, okay. Okay. I, I did I, not I didn't start a general manager. I got you. Okay. I was the vineyard manager, mm-hmm. and I was the site manager, uh, and then once the construction dried up, I was the operations manager, um, and we went into receivership for a little while, 2012 to 2014, and in the end of 2013, the guys that the guys that were the guys that were that owned the place. Well, the general manager at the time had worked himself into a corner, had made some promises that he couldn't hold to, and so he had to step down. The guys that held us, they knew that they were going to sell the place in 2014, Um, and so they needed another general manager. The only problem with that is, is when you sell a place like that, the first thing that happens is the new guys are going to come in and they're going to fire the general manager and the bookkeeper, and they're going to put in their own people and start it their way. Right. So it's a general practice. Right. So I had spent at that point since for 2006 to 2013, I had spent a good six, seven years dreaming and loving on that place, imagining what it could be and the possibilities and the potential. And I had, you know, blood and sweat and joy and everything that I had poured into it and had watched a series of general managers peacock around, mm-hmm. you know, uh, stroking their egos with how great they were because they were the managers of Montaluce. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it was more than that. So I was like, well, when am I going to get an opportunity like this? So I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so they said, okay. <laughs> because they probably couldn't get anybody else to take the job. Um, so we got sold in 2014, and uh, I got called down to the mountain, uh, mountain Field Development I got called down to the big office, and the big cheese came out of the out of the door, and I was like, "Well, this is this is your moment, man. This is your David and Goliath moment. Like, is, what are you gonna do? This has been a, this has been a good run. Well, I mean, like, so the choice is the like when you when you look at it, the worst thing that could possibly happen is that I'd have to find something else to do. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing that could happen. But what I could gain is experience that I would have never had otherwise, ever. So I went down to the office, sat in the, sat in the big pluff, fluffy le- leather chair, and the guy comes out of the other door and sits down and says, you're our guy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow, look at that. Yeah. So uh, I've been the general manager ever since. Um, I've, like, that was the, it's been the first restaurant I've ever run. I, have, have you ever seen some big changes too? Because like you're, when I went there, our mutual friend Avery worked there for a little while. That's right. And so I got to go visit. I've never actually eaten there before. Um, I know I'm a horrible person, 
but it, it seemed like it was huge. Like y'all, y'all have built, and it seemed like it's a full size restaurant. And yeah, we've got we've got our main floor. It's got a huge tasting room and a dining room and covered patio. And there's another dining room upstairs um, and another patio. And there's uh, there's the wine production rooms on the basement floor. It's a pretty right. it's a pretty huge facility. I, I, like the guys that dreamed the original dream had a huge dream and it's an immac it's a beautiful facility and that's one of the best things like the the whole project has been from beginning to end and everybody who's touched it like i don't know what it is about the place but everybody who's been involved loves it Mm -hmm. right loves it first um and then and then after that you know you make a you make a business you make a business out of it but everybody who's everybody who's been involved has a piece of their heart in that place right uh one of the things we were talking off the mic uh, before we, we dove into this episode was the fact that our, our friend Billy, who works in real estate, uh, shout out to Billy, he built this table, so thanks, Billy. Thank you, Billy. Um, is Ursula painted this, so she's the one that made it pretty. Mm. Is when you work in a field, like I work in ministry, so ministry is like, you know, I get to live out my faith, I get to live out, you know, how I feel about things. That's kind of what I'm into. But a lot of our listeners, you know, separate kind of their work and their beliefs in mm-hmm. life. Either it's Christianity or spirituality. But Billy was telling how he tries to incorporate the two. Um, and if you know anything about Matthew, very spiritual person. Hmm. Um, and so I was wondering, from a general manager standpoint, you have, I'm assuming you have a kitchen staff, you have a, a, a hostess, you have... Uh, is my inability. I've never worked in the food industry, but you have waitresses and mm-hmm. waiters and bartenders. You have the yeah. grounds crew. You have the wine makers. That's right. I'm assuming there's wine makers at a winery. Yeah. You know, you have all these people. So how do you, how do you, not just be a boss, but be a leader? Um, it be- so it it starts with it starts with like what that place can be. And mm-hmm. it starts with, um, it starts with like you lead with your like you lead with your passion. You believe with you lead with your heart, and then you follow with the details. Um, people will follow a vision. They'll follow, um, they'll follow uh, an idea that's greater than than themselves. Um, they don't follow, they don't follow it if they don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. And I still, I don't know that I would call myself a great leader. I'm still working and I'm still learning. I'm trying real hard. I would love to be, I would love to be that one day. Um, but to me, what Mona Luce is about at its core is um, taking, taking special moments, taking, taking life's mundane things and building, it's about building community, really, right? Time shared around the table. What, what brings a community, like the reason that we like, that we formed tribes and we did all of that stuff was to share food, right? So one of the things that one of the things that bonds communities together uh, more than anything, first and foremost, is like is food, right? Absolutely. Yeah, um, uh, it's one of the ways that we come together. It's one of the most. It's one of the. It's one of the foundations of of social existence is sharing food. So um, and we for, we do it every Sunday. There you go. You know? We do it with uh, our youth group. We have dinner together. I mean, the, it's called the Last Supper. They had supper together. Jesus fed five thousand people. Like that's right. It's about food, bruh. Come on. That's right. Food for the soul. Amen. 
So it's so it's taking that and it's what you put into it, it's what you get out of it. When you put intention behind that, when you when you receive somebody as the honored guest and you treat them like that, right? With that intentionality because everybody that comes in that door, they are the honored guest, right? And and what do you do? Um, and they call it the service industry because we're in we're in service. So that's so when you look at it like that, right? You can start to build systems and culture around around being in service to the people in front of you. And I'll tell you, like, I think that everybody should be in the service industry. If you want to learn about what you do, how you how you give um, in the face of adversity, because people are people. We're all human and we're all flawed and people will come at you with all sorts of stuff. And do you get defensive? Do you get aggressive? Do you do you uh, do you become a victim? Do you uh, do you cry? What do you do when it gets when it gets difficult? And and are you are you giving? Are you in service because you expect a result? Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna serve you, and you didn't give me a good tip, and you suck. Or I'm gonna serve you, and um, you over tipped, and and that's because I'm amazing, right? So, mm-hmm. um, what? So are you in service because that's who you want to be, right? That's the thing. That otherwise you're just flapping in the breeze, you know. <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. Because I'm thinking about all the different places I've worked with, like being a school teacher and being a camp counselor and being a youth minister and sure. uh, all these places. Like community, in this, it's kind of a service field. It's not a food service, but sure. it's it's, it's a service, service absolutely of serving one another. Because I've always been a, a strong proponent of. If you had the ability during your college years to go work at a summer camp, mm-hmm. because you learn a lot about yourself, absolutely, um, and you learn about you know who you are in the most stressful, tired. You know, you don't have sleep. You know, sleep deprivation puts down a lot of barriers of like sure, fakeness. Yeah. It breaks down the barriers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and it's like okay, who who is this person really? And I think when you learn, when you have those walls and those masks or whatever you want to call it that's torn down mm-hmm. and you're more authentic. Yes. When you're in that authenticness, you can really mold who you want to be and work on it. Because if you are in there and you are someone who gets angry or short-tempered or sad or whatever it may be and you want to work on it, you can intentionally go, okay, that's what I need to, that's what I need to work on. One of the beautiful things about the service industry is kind of like being a comedian, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you have, when you have gotten out of your own way and you made the person in front of you the most important thing in the world, right? When you've actually had a servant's heart and you've lived in that and you have a direct experience of that, um, you know how that feels at the end of the night. And it honestly, at nine times out of ten, it'll show up on your on your checkout, right? Um, at the other side of that is you know when. You were preoccupied with your finals or fight you had with your girlfriend or what you're trying to do later or Thirsty Thursday at Johnny B's. <laughs> um, uh, that shows up at the end of the night too. When you bomb, you bomb and you know it that night. And so you get to, but you get to come back tomorrow and do it again. So you're constantly, the cycle's like super fast. So your ability to, to experience those things, make choices about them and make adjustments about them, it's super tight. And those are experiences that will, like especially for the college kids that work for us, it's those are experiences that will shape the rest of their life, right? Mm-hmm. If we're doing it right, we're gonna like, like Jordan, man. I love Jordan. 
I love him too. He he came in with a beautiful heart, right? But like, learn how to meet people, how to speak with people, how to meet people where they're at, how to listen, um, and how to and how to help people find their own experience, right? Like, because it's about at the in what we do is it's not about like. So if you ever if you have have you ever done a wine tasting? Mm-mm, I have not. One of the typical things that happens in a wine tasting is you walk in, you sit down at a table, or you come up to the bar, right? And you have somebody behind the bar say, you know, this is 35% this, 25% that. It is, um, it's, it's got hints of, you know, it's hints of cherry with a strong, with a dry finish and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you, and, and they tell you what experience you're supposed to have. And I don't, I don't. It drives me nuts. One of two things is going to happen. Either one, you're going to be insecure in your own ability to taste wine, and you're going to try to have the experience that I'm telling you that you should have, right? You're like, oh, taste strawberry. I must be doing it wrong. <laughs> or you're going to think I'm a pretentious ass, and you're yeah. still not thinking about your experience, right? The most important thing is your experience. The most important thing is that you have the connection to it. The most important thing is that, like, that you have something that rings true for you, right? So I'll talk to you about looking at wine. I'll talk to you about the different ways to smell it, the different ways to taste it, um, why, we, why, we, uh, why you clink the glasses at the end. Why you clink the glasses at the end is because... Yeah, sad. I don't know. I don't know. So you use your sight, right, to, uh-huh. to look at the wine. You use your sense of smell um, to, to start working on the flavors in the wine. You use touch right, with texture in your mouth and those sorts of things, and you use taste, obviously. Well, the only one that you don't use is hearing. So you clink the glasses at the end, so you use all of your senses to taste wine. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> what you put into it... That's a scam. What you, put in, what you put into it's what you get out of it. Right? I, I, I did hear this, talking about wine tasting. I uh, First of all, I have a horrible sense of smell, so that, that one's already out of, uh, out of the gate. But... That it is impo- not impossible, but improbable that people can't really guess what wine it is if they're blindfolded. Sure. That like because they they talked about I'm trying to remember what it was. It was something I saw on PBS, sixty minutes or something. I don't know what it was. It was something like that. Where, you know, they like you know, these wine connoisseurs that can like, oh, this is a such and such wine and it pretentious a holes and it's like, I don't want to talk to this person. Don't talk don't sure. talk down to me. I, I'm a I'm a not a dog. But they blindfolded them and mm-hmm. did like a taste test mm-hmm. and got like four of the ten right. Sure. And it's like, okay, like are you an expert? But not that I'm trying to diss all wine people, but it's like you can create your own experience and we're just a guide. That's kind of how I feel about this, like that's, what you're trying to say. Like That's absolutely right because I'm not trying to tell you what you're trying to tell. Like, like um, what, if I'm doing it right, I'm showing you ways that you can look at it and it should spark something for you, right? Mm-hmm. I, like the, the thing on the back of the label is based on some, somebody's perception based on their experience with food and what their mama liked to cook and what they had for <laughs> breakfast, right? Um, so what that is for you, it doesn't matter to me. As long as you make some sort of connection, what I'm, what I'm interested in is that you make a connection with it. Like at its, like a lot of people, like what you're describing to me is people tasting wine to show other people how smart they are, right, how cool exactly. they are, right? It's a way to puff up your ego, but, and it's, to me, at its core, at its best, 
what it is. It's a meditation. It's a med- You could do it with barbecue sandwiches, right? It doesn't mm. really matter. Come on. If you, you can do, yeah, you can do it with a million things. But it's, there's just a culture around wine that is about being present and giving all of your senses into this one particular experience, right? And because you do that, because you put that much into it, you get more out of it, right? And you become present, which is really like the goal in any moment is how present can you be in this moment? How much does everything else go away and how much can you say yes to this moment? And wine is a really great way to do that. Well, did you... And so I'm thinking people who are listening to the podcast, some people are not wine people, but I think this is bigger than just the wine industry. It's kind of how the way you approach your business or how you approach people. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a bigger scale of how you can apply this kind of this, um, this mindset of how you approach things, uh, of the giving them the experience and like and guiding them. And like we can do that in any of the service fields. Sure. Like if it's a ministry, it's not about me and how I can talk about God and how I can deliver a message or how I can preach, you know, from the pulpit. It's like, no, it's not about me. It's about, you know, let me help, you know, like let me help you experience your own, you know, experience with God. Or if it's like I'm thinking in the school teacher, it's not about how much math I know. It's about how I can help you learn the math concept, you know, in the service and like experience you know, the positivity with learning and not just all the negative things, you mm-hmm. know. So I feel like that mindset is golden to incorporate in your own life and job and not just in your career field, but also that kind of that serving selflessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about off mic, the selflessness in your daily walk. Right. Um, Where did you get that from? <laughs> you know, like, like, because I don't think Monolu. And I don't know Mono Luce as well as you do, sure. obviously. I haven't been there since the OG. Are you well, first of all, side note, sidebar, are you the only OG? Yes. Still left? Yes. Dude, OG Gangship Mono Luce. That's right. Um is did you bring that to the wine and the wine experience at Mono Luce? Like, did you go, hey guys, let's let's be better? For our customers, or was that kind of already there, and you liked it, and you adapted it, or what's up with that? I think I saw. I think I noticed it first, right? If you're in a beautiful, se- you're in a beautiful setting, uh, and and you're surrounded by pe- people that are passionate about what they're doing, because my winemaker is 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 amazing. He's a he's truly an artist, right? And then I've got a chef who's again is an artist, and he pours his passion into his food, right? Like we're getting the same we're getting the same stuff from this, like you. You can buy a really great bottle of wine from a lot of different places. The reason that you come to our place is because it's not just a bottle of wine. It's everything that went into it. Um, and then, you know, you, there's, like, people that come to our restaurant past 100 great restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, but You're talking you, Dairy Queen. You're talking I, Taco I, Bell. You got your, you got your Chick-fil-A. You got, <laughs> you got your Chick-fil-A. Yeah, exactly. You say, I'm, no, I'm going to go all past the blizzards and all that. Right. I'm, I'm going to go, go to Monoluce. <laughs> because, because what you get at a place like Monoluce is you get an experience that is not like anything that you can get anywhere else, right? We take your, We take your day and we help you make it special. Just like when you open up a nice bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. You're taking a regular and ordinary day and you're saying... 
the people are right, the time is right, the sun is right, the whatever, whatever the reason is, that we're going to make this moment special, right? And that's the kind of the culture around wine, is we're going to take this moment, we're going to elevate it by opening up this bottle, and it's going to make it even more fantastic, right? Um, it's the same thing, you come to Montaluce and you've got that, you know, you got that great view, you got a nice table, the service is, the service is good, the food's good, and you take your birthday, your anniversary, your bridal luncheon, your whatever it is, right. and you, you say, here's my day, make it special, right? It's like um, everybody sells something to make money, but what you provide is an experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what my mechanic does under the hood of the car, right? <laughs> I, all I know is, like, if I did know, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. need a mechanic, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just like Billy, if I knew how to buy a house, I wouldn't need a... I would, a real estate guy. I wouldn't need a real estate agent, right? If I knew what it meant, then... But I believe that... I believe that Billy's a, a good guy, right? I believe... What I buy is my faith that I'm going to... He's going to... I'm going to go to Billy and he's going to make my day right. Same with my mechanic. I don't know what he's doing in there. I'm a, I know we're going to have a nice conversation. I'm going to tell him what's going on. He's going to make the light go off and that has value to me. And I'm going to feel good about it when I leave because I know my car is going to work, right? Right. So especially like in the 21st century, if you have a physical location, right? It's not about, like it used to be about what, right? There was, you know, before fertilizer, people were starving all over the place. And, you know, then we got industrialization and now we've got all of this, but there's still people starving. But like, it's, we have enough food. And then it was about, um, then it was about how you got it, right? You had Walmart. I can get all my stuff and I can get it cheap and I can get it, I can get it convenient or, or shopping malls. Right? Ugh. Oh, I can go to shopping malls, right? <laughs> and now I can get whatever I want. Like you grew up like this. You can get yeah. whatever you want, whenever you want. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to put and you don't have to put on your pants to get it. Absolutely. It's good. And if it takes Sometimes longer Sometimes I, I can put on my pants and I choose not to. Right, yeah. And so <laughs> and, and if it takes longer than two days to get here, I'm gonna be cranky about it, right? So it's not about what and how anymore. It's about it's about why. It's about the experience. It's about how does me engaging with this make, what, how does it say something about me and how does it make my life better, right? Um, and you see this all over the place. It's not just wine. It's about um, like the microbreweries, right? I don't want to just drink beer. I want to know the story, right? Dude, that's, that's, that's a, a great equivalent because I've gone, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I've been to several breweries. Yeah. I have some friends that are connoisseurs of breweries. Sure. The tours yeah. are my favorite part. I love going with a brewmaster and like tell me the history of the like the machines, right. the story of the people and how they got it started. And I you remember it. none of that. What you remember is how you felt, right? Like you that is true, yeah. you remember like I I if I quizzed you on any one of those tours, you would remember at best 17% of anything that they said. What you take with you, like if you when you come to Montalucci, yeah. long after you forget what the wine actually tasted like, what the wine was actually called, what you ordered what what you ordered for dinner, or who your server was, what you take with you, like all of that stuff goes away. What you take with you is how you feel when you leave, mm -hmm. right? That is your currency. And if you're going to be an actual physical location, you have to you have to know that, and you have to deliver on that. You have to make like you have to provide an experience where people feel um, honored and met and seen, uh, and have their expectations surpassed, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. Um, I was thinking just like the currency of of the experience. I even try to do that a little bit with the podcast. 
you know, is I started listening to podcasts because I, I was school teacher at Gainesville uh, Middle, and it was about 45 minutes to an hour drive in the sure. morning, which was the worst, Matthew, let me tell you, golly, and then a, an hour drive it back. And music and radio kind of got to a point where I was like, I'm tired of listening to, you know, the same commercials, you know, one eight seven seven cars for kids. Oh gosh, that jingle plays so much. <laughs> and so I started getting into podcasts and like listen to different ones. Some are like entertainment podcasts, some are crime, some are, you know, uh, ones that make you think like a Malcolm Gladwell, you know, like a deeper thought podcast. And I just loved how you could you could talk about your heart, talk about your life, talk about um interview people about like what makes them special, what makes them uh, their story. Like Each person has a story, has life experience that is uniquely them. Mm-hmm. There's no one else like them. They're uniquely made in God's image through the choices that they've made, through the things that they've experienced, things that have happened to them. And if they can share just a little bit of a nugget about you know, an hour of a podcast that, you know, I talk for half of it, so maybe 30 minutes of them getting to talk, Sure, right? If they can just share something that could just make your life a little better or maybe something that makes you a little a deeper thinker, um, a rich, enriching your life experience, that overall is what I'm trying to capture in the podcast. And, like, that's a great currency, Absolutely. I feel like, you know? Sorry, I just kind of, it's a little tangent there, but I just... I just love that kind of that mentality of like it's a big it's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, so back to to the sustainability thing. Yeah. Right? Oh, the sta- Oh, fifteen right? year old so, you. Come on. Right. So, uh, so what I so what forty four year old me knows about sustainability is number one, if it's not profitable, it's not sustainable. Um, you can do it as long as it feels good, but it's, if it's not making money, at some point you got to go get a real job. And the other thing is, is, you're only as good as what you serve. Okay, let me let me let me clarify this because part of me just wants to push back. Sure, but it's maybe because I don't quite understand maybe what you mean. Okay, you say get a real job. Yeah, what is someone who loves what they do? Mm-hmm. Let's say the income is twenty thousand, twenty five thousand. I think the poverty line is twenty five thousand. Sure. All right, but they're doing what they love. Mm-hmm. And they live within their means. Absolutely. Would you say that they need to go get a real job? No. Okay. I guess I guess that's what I, I didn't know if like if for some people, let's say go get a real job, it's because the person who makes say twenty I don't know, thirty thousand, whatever it may be, has the potential to go make a sixty thousand dollar job, but they choose the thirty thousand dollar job. No, they've and, chosen to they've chosen to realize value in ways that are not money. Ooh. Come on, preach it, brother Matthew. Come on. I, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is like if mm-hmm. you can, you can, if you, I'll use my, you know, I, I had a landscape business. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Thought that I was doing, you know, thought that thought that that was my my passion, my mission, my life, right? Um, and I stayed with it, and I wasn't making any money doing it. And at some point, I needed to go find something else to do. Um, I've got lots of friends that have started organic farms and they go out and they kick around in the dirt for a few years and they love it. And it's an honorable, it is an honorable vocation. Um, but if you can't, if you can't create value, if you can't generate value at whatever level that is. That's kind of of what this podcast is. 
in, oh. a, in a sense, or, or and I, when I say that, I'm not trying to say I'm an organic farmer, but what I'm saying is I can't sustain my income with this. This is not an income based hobby or or lifestyle. Some people maybe it is, but just not for me. So therefore, even though I can do this, I need to do something else with my life that brings in an income or brings in some value so I can go and do the things. Is that kind of gives you the freedom to do some other stuff? Absolutely. That's what it means to you. Number one, it has to create value for it to be sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. If it is not creating value, you can't sustain it. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, The other thing is you're only as good as what you serve, right? A cell... A cell in a body that only serves itself is cancer. It's cancer. Right. Come on. It's very, it's very prosperous. It's very productive. It's very active. It generates, it generates a lot of results, but it's going to kill the whole thing. So if it's not profitable, it's not sustainable, you're only as good as what you serve. Well, speaking of that, serving, mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is several of my good friends Shout out to Will Helms, who's been on the podcast multiple times. Hey, Will Helms. Uh, Jordan Cornette, who's been here. Hey, Jordan. And the last, I think the only other friend is Garrett Queen. Garrett. Little Garrett. Oh, little, I wanted him on the podcast so bad. <laughs> um, but those are the only three guys I can think of off the top of my head. But they're all great friends of mine. And they've all talked about like being in different phases in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they've all worked at Montaluce. Sure. And... They're not they're not broken by any sense, but there's I can see in the, when they weren't there, they were looking for something, and mm-hmm. they were on the path to something. And I felt like you, along with other people in their lives as well, help guide those type of people. You know, like hey man, like maybe this is a stepping stone. Montaluce is a stepping stone to something mm-hmm. that's bigger for you. Do you take yourself as someone? I who, had to threaten Jordan with firing him. I was like, man, you, you got to get out and live your life, bro. If you're still here in June. <laughs> I will fire you. <laughs> like, go, like, go be a bigger, better person out there. That's right. Go do what you say <laughs> you're going to do. Um, holding them accountable. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you're absolutely right. Like, I don't expect Montaluce to be the last place for everybody. But while you're, while you're, in, while you're, while you're with us, right, I want, I want to at least give you the opportunity to learn what it means to be in service, what it means to be a part of a team um, that is mission-driven, um, what it means to listen, what it means to meet people where they're at. Um, Because everybody's got a story, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to agree with the story. You don't have to like it, but you need to honor it, right? You've got a story. You're from somewhere, and that's valuable, right? And it got you here, which is the most important thing. So it's a great story. I don't have to like it or agree with it or any of that. I just have to honor it. Absolutely. And then at some point between... in. And you telling me your story and me telling you my story, it becomes us, right? At some point, it's not just you over there and me over here. There's enough rapport and enough recognition of something similar that it's us. And when it's us, you can start to, you can start to make suggestions. You do this in your ministry all the time, right? You, you get in there with somebody. You can't, you can't stand at the top of a hole and say, get out of the hole. <laughs> right? What are you doing down there? Uh, absolutely. If you want to, if you want to help somebody out of a hole, you got to get in the hole, right? And say, man, what if we tried, you know, sitting on the other side? <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah, let's let's just sit up there. But we can get back in the hole if you want. Let's just try it. 
See what happens. See what it looks like over there. I promise if you don't like it, we, we'll get right back in the hole. <laughs> you know, and then it, but then it's about what we do, right? Nobody can make anybody do anything else. But if we're doing it, we can start to move the ball a little bit. So meeting people where they're at. I, uh, kind of, this is a, a really funny story. I don't know if you know this or not. But there was one day there was a where Garrett lived. He and I used to live there, but he lived there after I did. It was his apartment next to the church yeah. on, the, on the top yeah. floor. And they had this table, and like a little picnic table, and some chairs. And there was no cars, you know, apart from the apartment. We're just Garrett and I just hanging there, chit-chatting. And you drive, and like you roll, have your window down. He's like, "What's up, Ben?" I was like, "What's up, Matthew?" Like you're like, "What you up to?" He's like, ah, nothing. You can get lunch soon. He's like, yeah, man, come on, we'll get lunch. And it was like we had like maybe a thirty second conversation. Sure, you didn't get out of the car. We just talked, and then like you're like, "All right, I'll see you later, Ben." I was like, "All right, I'll see you later," and you drove off. And Garrett was sitting right next to me. He goes, "What the hell, dude?" Like, like I work with him. He didn't say hey to me at all, and. For the next 30 minutes or so, I just gave him heck. I was like, listen, man, like, you know, Matthew and I are just, like, on the same level, you know? Like, <laughs> he's a general manager. I'm just a manager of life, you know? Like, we respect each other. He's like, oh, I've been working there. And I was like, listen, Garrett, he just he just didn't notice you because, you know, you're just a little shorter, you know? Just, like, you know, giving us a hard time. It's like, and he, to this day, I would, I would bug him and be like, hey, listen, when he was working, I was like, if you need me to, I can call Matthew. Maybe I can get you a couple more hours, you know, maybe get you a 50-cent pay raise. He's like, no, I don't need your help. I can do it myself. And I was like, all right, dude. Um, if you need me to call, you know, even though you would never do any of that. But it was just, I just loved it that for some reason, I guess you just, I mean, he was sitting right next to me. But for some reason, you just didn't acknowledge him at all. Oh, <laughs> and it was the greatest. Obviously, he saw you like the next day he went to work, but it was it was perfect. I love you, Garrett. <laughs> we all do. Oh, little Garrett. I got I could do a whole podcast about all the different stories with Garrett. So uh do you think well, I never asked you this. Let me ask you this too. Is you have a wife mm-hmm. and two sons? I've got a son and a daughter. A son and a daughter. Ah, I didn't do my research. I'll blame my research department. Producer Matt should have done better. Um we have a producer named Matt, not not you. Okay. Um is at what point did you you balance running a million dollar company, aka Montaluce, and raising a family and starting a family? Well, I had the family. Oh, you had the family since like two thousand six. Like, were you married? Yeah. So I I was I got married in the year two thousand. Okay. Okay. I was twenty five when I got married. I had Fiona. Fiona was born in two thousand and one. I started Montaluce in 2006, and Kai was born in 2007. Okay, so I know Kai. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the older one. No, he's the baby. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, I've got a Fiona. Hey, Fiona. Hey, Fiona. Shout out to Fiona is a perf- musical performance major at Reinhardt in her freshman year. Ooh. Yeah. She yeah. clarinet, flute, what is she? Opera. Oh, she's a singer. Yeah. What? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So so she's following the artsy field. Yes. You know, my dad's a wine connoisseur, so I'll go be an opera. <laughs> what is what is uh what does your wife do? She keeps up with me. She keeps up with you. Yeah. I got you. She keeps everything together while I go and, do Mono Lynch. Yeah. And that Kai, is he I wanna say he's in seventh grade? He's in sixth grade. Sixth grade. Oh, man, I tell you, I gotta do my research better. He one day, you know, depending on when you listen to this episode. 
he will be in seventh grade. So that's true. We'll just that's true. We'll at some point, that will be true. <laughs> that will be true. <laughs> um, so does he? Um, does he see Monloge as like his backyard? Does he get to run around? No, man. It's like it's just the thing that takes. You know, it's just a place that Daddy goes. Really, uh, I, I mean, like so. he definitely will. You know, if we bring when we bring him in there, you know, he gets to go. He gets to like go go into the kitchen and say hi to chef, and he'll we'll get him we'll get him a cookie bowl, and you know, he gets to be royalty while he's running around in there. But um, mostly, he's got you know, he's got his life. He's twelve, man. He's got his life, and he's got his day, and he's got everything that he's about. Right. So I've never eaten at Monteluche, and I want to eat there. It might be because I'm kind of hungry right now, but at some point I want to go eat there. When's the best time for someone who doesn't have a reservation? Come during the week, man. During the week, like, <coughs> like, like a Tuesday lunch or something? Absolutely. Any, t- any time during the week. Okay. Well, royalty. Well, I, I, you know for a fact, even if I, you weren't there, I would name drop you. I don't know, does anybody else do that? I would name drop you like a thousand percent. <laughs> like, you don't, you know Matthew Garner? You yeah. know him? Oh, he's just like a friend of mine, like best friends, brothers practically. So, uh, what do I get for free? Yeah. Kind of thing. I would love to, you tell me what you find out. You, you tell me what they give you for free. If, uh, <laughs> oh, for, I do, I'll be an inside man. I'll be a plant. Yeah, I would, I would, lo- I would love to hear. Uh, waitress so and so said, uh, "I get these free things." <laughs> Golly, I bet you that's not what you hear. Uh, well, the <laughs> 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 let me tell you what I really think about Matthew. This is the last little thing because um, we're gonna wrap it up real quick. But I have a big life thing that's happened, and I love the wisdom and I love the vibes that you're giving me here. Is my my listeners know I graduated with my master's degree. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you, thank you. I was fishing for that compliment. What are you going to be when you grow up? Um, probably dead because I'm older, older, just older, just older, <laughs> just just more sore back. Is I applied, and this is my first time I said it on the podcast. So this is big news. I applied and was accepted for the doctorate program, um, and for education, and I accepted it. Where? At Liberty University. Okay. Nothing super prestigious. Not like I'm going to Oxford or Cambridge or something. But they have it on, fully online. And being a guy who goes on mission trips and ski trips and Sundays and all this. So, like, I had to do online. So that's mm-hmm. the only way to do it. And they have a, a doctorate program. It was accredited. Uh, my friend Becca Davis, Chris's wife, mm-hmm. did it. So she recommended it. And so I'm doing it. And... Part of me just feels like it's the best time of my life. I'm not married, you know. I have a, I have a steady girlfriend. She's sure. fantastic. Shout out to Ashley, and so it's going hey, great. Ashley. Yeah, that's also the first time I mentioned her on the podcast, so that's great. Uh, but it just seems like it's the right time. And I, if we did the math today, if I stay on track and I do all the courses I'm supposed to, by the time I'm 30, mm-hmm. right, right when I turn 30. I will graduate and be Dr. Ben Mayfield. Nice. Um, but I feel a little apprehensive. I feel nervous about it because it's going to push me academically. That's how you know you're in the right place, man. You think so? Yeah, because fear and anxiety, like excitement and anxiety are the same feeling. It's are you projecting your fear onto it or are you projecting your joy onto it, right? It's the same, if you think about it, it's the same thing in your gut. and it's And that feeling is how you know when you're at the edge of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. When, when you're at the edge of everything that you've, that you've known up to this point, you're about to go past into, the, into what you don't know, when you're going to expand into new territory, that's the feeling that you get. And like, 
if you have that feeling in your gut and you can rally the joy around it, right? And you feel that feel that tinge too, man. That's like that's like that's God's way of telling you you're in the right spot because if you weren't scared, it wouldn't be real change. It wouldn't be real growth, right? It's just, it would just be rearranging the furniture, right? It would be like moving the couch from one side of the room to the other and going, wow, I feel totally different, right? Like, but when, you, when you're up to something, when you're up to making yourself more bigger, when you're extending yourself, when you're growing into more you, that's the feeling that you get. Like, that's your compass. And then when you choose it anyway, it has value, Right. If it was just if it was if it didn't mean anything, it wouldn't be valuable. Like you have to have like that fear means that you are actually going to have to step out into the unknown. You have to like, like out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. And like when you're out of your comfort zone, it brings challenge, mm-hmm. and challenge encourages growth. Right. It gives you the opportunity to choose. Yeah. And depending on what you choose, like you like it's the universal pop quiz, right? So you've so you are you you are. Ben Mayfield with a master's degree, right? Mm-hmm. And you're and you're dreaming your next life, right? So what do I do now? I've, you've set your goals up to this point, right? And what do I do now? And so you're like, maybe I'm Doctor Ben, right? And so you first, so first you think it, right? You're like, man, maybe I'll be Doctor Ben, and then you and then you say it, right? You start getting. You start getting feedback from the people that you trust from your from like from from the echo chamber, right? You're like, yeah. You know, I think I'd like to be Dr. Ben, right? That's the next way you create your reality, and now you created this potential, and and then it came back to you. Now you really get to choose because the next step is you're going to have to do it, right? Yeah. And then so then you do it, right? You sign up, you take the courses, and then the next thing that happens is what I like to call the um, the universal pop quiz, right? All of the reasons that you have not been Dr. Ben up to this point start to show up, right? All of the, you know, maybe you're a little, you're, maybe you're not quite organized enough. Maybe you're, um, maybe you're, you're my, my writing skills. Maybe your writing skills aren't what they should be, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe there's some locks around that and you're going to have to make choices, right? Because all of that stuff, all the reasons that you haven't done it already, all the reasons that you're not that, they show up. And then you get to make choices and you say, no, I choose to be Dr. Ben. Right. I'm going to make the sacrifice. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to do the time because I am Dr. Ben becoming. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that um, we keep talking about Billy, but I just had this conversation with him yesterday is I get I get excited like this like little ball in me gets excited when I think about the possibility of being Dr. Ben. Sure. And, and he was like, well, what's that excitement? What is that joy? And I was like, one, it's not just the, the ego trip pride of like, da, 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 of being you know, a doctor or whatever. For me, it's like, I love being the master of my craft. And my sure. craft is like education. I want to be able to teach the best of my ability. I want to learn more about the history and philosophy of like, you know, you do a research, you do like a capstone, a, a dissertation mm-hmm. in your doctor program. So it's like, I want to know like something within the field that I'm like, I want to be the best at that, like mm-hmm. or, or or just expand my horizon. Not that I'm going to be the best teacher in the world just because I have a doctor, but like I can better myself with that. Sure. And that was what he's like. Well, that's the motive of you going back to do it. Not just because you had the opportunity. Not just because you know you can. You know, this is the right part of your life where you're like, you know, I could do it before I'm thirty. That sounds great. Is that that stuff? Those motivations will go away 
when the first paper's due or when it's, you have to crank out a, a night, an all-nighter doing a paper or whatever it may be, it's going to be, do you have that drive and what is that drive? And if it's to sharpen your skill set, then you're going to be able to sacrifice and go for it. Sure. So it's a decision. Well, it's a decision about like how you stand in the world, right? So like, like what is the what is your what is your transmission? What are you putting out in the in like and who and and who is it and what's and what is that adorned with and what are the things that are going to help you like be more that and if being mm-hmm. a doctor is and if that's if that's your path then you get you got to trust it. I mean, you can't overthink it too much, right? If it feels right, it is right. It's true. <clears throat> you hear that, folks? If it feels right, then it is right. Man. Well, I like to end. Uh, I don't know if you're a huge podcast listener, Matthew, but I appreciate you being on the podcast. But I end every episode, I try to, with a piece of wisdom. And even though we, we've dropped some major nuggets today, sure. Um, I like to do it with, with just like a little nugget that just kind of keeps people thinking and, like, you know, that they can, they can bite off and it can be related to this episode. It doesn't have to be. Um, I'll do one too if, if you're if you're still thinking unless you have yours. No, I'd like I, I, all of my nuggets come out of context. Oh, uh, do you out of context? Yeah. Well, all right. Here's mine. Okay. Right. In life, you have to make decisions, and for every decision you make, there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Positive consequences, negative consequences. So before you make the decision. Look at the consequences, because a lot of times I feel like we make decisions and then we just happen to see what the consequences are. But if we were to look at the consequences, we would make a more informative and a more prepared choice. Hmm. All right, I got one. All right, I'm ready. Sweet. So I would say that um, intentions equals results. Ooh. All right. Clarification. What does that mean? So. Um, you set an in, you set an intention and then you create your reality from that. First you think it, then you say it, then you do it. You had an intention to become a doctor, and look, now you're on your way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you'll and then you'll have a result. Um, and if you don't like the result, you need to examine your intention. Um, did you create it? And it's the same. And it's and it's a different way of saying uh, saying uh, decisions or decisions and consequences, right? Um, if you but that's how we learn, man. I like I would say, like, go out there and fall down and then choose again. Um, one of the things that I tell people about me, how I got to be who I am, where I am, is that I have an irrational belief in my own capacity to find solutions and a high tolerance for failure. You should put that like, like in a Hallmark card, man. <laughs> I love that. All right, I'm going to leave on that. Yeah, no, no, that's great, though. Matthew, at some point, can I get you back to, to come back on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh, I love it. Um, and if they want to visit Montaluce in Dahlonega, Georgia, not all of our audience lives in Dahlonega, but sure. Montaluce is fantastic. And if you want to subscribe to Matthew's book that he's going to write, <laughs> you should, I, no, you want to talk about the book? Okay, no, we're not talking about the yeah. book. Okay, we won't get there yet. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Great White Buffalo podcast. Don't forget, we have merchandise, we have hats, we have shirts, we have T-shirts. It is a fundraiser. It supports the podcast. We're trying to get some new mics and some new stands for the mics just to make it a better product for you. So we appreciate it. We appreciate the love. Follow us on Instagram at the Grill at Buffalo Podcast. Do you have a, is there an Instagram? Yeah. Y'all don't do social media? I don't. Yeah, but does, do you want to follow Mon Luce? 
yeah. at Monoluce. Follow Monoluce. They got uh, beautiful pictures, and they tell you all about their festivals that they do and um, spring stuff, tastings that they do. So follow them at Monoluce. Follow us at Great Buffalo Podcast. We love you. Thanks for subscribing on Apple and Spotify, and we'll see you next time on GWB.